0: Some of y'all are going crazy because you're like, what, like, this, is this Oreo Sunday and is next week like Chips Ahoy Sunday and what, just, just hold on to these. Um, the reason why is because we're going to use these, this is what we're going to use for communion, um, just kidding, but, but <laughs> see, I had, had your attention, that would be cool, right, and then have milk and dip it and that, that anyway, <laughs> great. Great. Um, These are going to come into play in just a little while, so just hold on to your Oreos, all right? And and (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, I love the fact that this group of people, when I say the group of people in in the room, and those watching online, but I love the fact that this group of people, we have so many differences. There there are people with different opinions, uh, there's different ages. For example, 30 or younger, raise your hand. 30 or younger, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 31 or over, raise your hand, okay? Yeah, okay, a little bit more, y'all. Single people, raise your hand. Single people, single people. Look around, helping out. Okay, yeah, so they always do that. Married, married, married. All right, kids? No kids? It's not hard, people. You you brought them, they're little people running around your house, all right? They're yours. Different people, right? Um, Okay, uh, let's talk about preferences. Beach people or mountain people, beach, mountain, beach, mountain. How many prefer the beach, beach, mountains? Okay, I used to be a mountain person, now I'm a beach person. And the reason why is because <laughs> I used to have a mountain body, now I got a beach body, all right? Um, being honest. Uh, cheeseburger or cheesecake? Cheeseburger or cheesecake? You got to choose between a cheeseburger or a cheesecake. How many going to choose cheeseburger? How many going to choose Cheesecake. Yeah, these are the Jesus people right there. All right. Now we we could we could do that all day. We could play that game. The differences. In fact, we could get we could get we could have a lot of fun. And I could do like mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine. That'd be awesome. And just and just dismiss church because it would just place would blow up. But what I'm saying is is there are different types of people in this room. We have different opinions about different things politically. Um, biblically, morally, but one of the things that I love about this group of people is the fact that we we come together on Sunday, and and we can take all of our preferences, and we can take everything, even if it's just for a slight minute or two, and put it aside and take some time to focus on Jesus, and it impacts us in a significant way. I mean, because people keep coming back, and you keep inviting people. Now, today's message I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to go ahead ahead and tell you, it's not going to be your favorite. It's absolutely not. In fact, you're, you're, you're not going to like it, but our church needs it. Because I'm going to talk about something today called unity. And I've said this before, I've said this before, and I'll say it again until Jesus takes me home. Satan does not fear a big church. But he does fear a united church. And when I, say you, when I say unity, I'm not saying we are all the same people. We see things the exact same way. When I say unity, I'm saying that you're going to see things your way. I'm going to see things my way. But at the end of the day, we can have dinner with each other and still love one another. That's what unity is. And so today we're going to dive into a passage of scripture that, if you've been around church world before, you've heard this story. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to teach it in a different way. And the reason I'm going to teach it, teach it this way is because I saw something in this passage that I've never seen before. It's in the book of Acts. Acts is my favorite book in the entire Bible. I've read it from from, chap, from beginning to end, at least 50 times and never seen it. I, I'm not sure. God probably just slipped this in the other day because I, I swear I've never seen what I'm about to teach you today. Okay. There's a lot of verses. So you got to listen quick because we got to get through these. Here we go. Acts chapter nine, verse one. Meanwhile, Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, who writes most New Testament, was uttering threats with every breath and was Eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now, I just, I've been eager to eat before. I've been eager. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever been riding down the road and a bicyclist is in front of you? If you're a bicyclist, no disrespect, but this is Anderson. They got a, Swamp Rabbit tra- Trail in Greenville, because people in and- people in Anderson. Let me tell you what every one of us think. Don't judge me. Every one of us think, huh? Nobody's looking. <laughs> that, that's what all of us are thinking. Okay. <laughs> I've been eager to get off of an airplane. I've been, e- but but eager to kill. That's that's pretty intense, wouldn't you agree? Eager to kill the Lord's followers. Some translation says eager to kill people in the church, which that would be us. Now, let me pause for a second and say, isn't it interesting that this text starts off with a man in the Middle East who was eager to kill Christians and, in fact, will be going Door to door to do so. Huh. World's changed a lot in 2,000 years, hasn't it? So he went to the high priest. Now, why did he go to the high priest? Did he go to the high priest to confess because he's feeling bad about wanting to kill all these Christians? No, 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 no. This guy is obsessed, but obsessed in a not so good way. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, and the way was the nickname given to the church of Christianity in the beginning, found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, we can all agree that Saul, who eventually becomes Paul when we first meet him, is not the guy we want to have over for dinner. Not only does he he want to kill these people, because the reason for bringing them back to Jerusalem is to put them on trial, not only to put them in trial, but to kill them. He wants to shame them before he kills them. Which, by the way, just just a real quick side note, religion always wants to shame you before it kills you. Always. So so he's he's got this kind of messed up plan, hey, I'm going to go kill Christians. Okay, here we go. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. So this is where it gets good. Watch this. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, let's say this word on three, one, two, three, me. me. Now, this is Jesus. We're about to find out in just a few minutes. This is Jesus talking to Saul. And Jesus asked Saul, why are you persecuting Me, which is weird, because the Bible didn't say that Saul was persecuting Jesus. The Bible said that Saul was persecuting what? The church. This is Jesus. This is Jesus telling Saul, "Hey, when you persecute the church, you persecute me. When you mess with my people, you mess with me." This is also just a really quick reminder that you can't say you're a fully devoted follower of Christ and not be a part of a local church because Jesus didn't give that option. I got one that's good. That's all I got. Everybody else, I don't know about that. Listen, one of the things I learned in the pandemic, you remember two weeks to shut the spread down? Two, two weeks to slow the spread, has gone real well for us. But two weeks to slow the spread and we didn't get to meet, I don't know about you, I need this. Like, I, I, like, t- it doesn't matter if I preach or not. Like, coming together and singing together and worship together corporately, just, just being reminded as we sing and we look around, I'm, like, somebody's in this with me. Somebody's in this fight with me. Like, I'm not doing this alone. I don't know about that, but that's just something good that all of us need to experience. And so, Saul, so Saul's probably thinking, I wasn't really messing with you. But Jesus said, well, you're messing with my people, so you're messing with me. Then he says this, who are you, Lord? I love that question. Saul Saul knew that whoever was talking to him was Lord. He just didn't know who he was. But whoever it was knocked him off his horse. So he said, I'm going to go ahead and call you Lord, because you're obviously more powerful than me. And the voice replied. I am Jesus, to which Paul had an oh crap moment, and all of us have had those, right? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Which Paul's thinking, I wasn't messing with you. Oh, oh, oh! So y'all together didn't know that. My bad. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So this everybody's got a next step. This is his next step, right? The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Now, real quick question. It's a yes or no question. It's simple. I'm not setting anybody up for failure. At this point in the story, was God doing something significant in Saul's life, yes or no? Yes. yes. Did the other people understand it? No. Sometimes, God does a work in our lives that other people will not understand. And we will go crazy trying to, do you know some people have literally missed out on God's will because they couldn't get everybody in their circle to understand and agree with them? It's insane to believe that everybody's always going to understand what God is speaking into our lives. But so, so they knew something was going on. You know, Paul's over here, he's on off the horse, he's blind, he's talking to something in the sky, and they're just kind of looking, and you know, one of them's got their iPhone out, they're trying to take pictures, they can't see anything. And the next verse says, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. Uh-oh, that's a problem. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, which is originally where he was going to kill people. Y'all remember that? So, and then... He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink, which is a major, because listen, if I don't eat for three days, if I don't eat three hours, it's a problem. So, so he's in this place, he's on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, but then he gets converted to Christianity on the way to Damascus. Now, quick question, did anybody in Damascus know about his conversion? No, no. Because they didn't have Facebook. Paul couldn't go, hey, walking walking down the road, saw a light. Hashtag Jesus. Like, there was none of that. So Paul, you got Paul on this side of the, or Saul, you got him on this side of the perspective. He's a Christian killer that has a conversion experience. And then we're about to meet a man named Ananias, who I think, just because of what the Bible says, is probably a pretty happy guy. This is how we know. Watch this. The next verse says this. Now, there was a believer in Damascus, by the way, where Paul was going to kill people. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, quite possibly on Paul's list of people to kill. Now, watch how happy he is. I just think he's happy. Watch this. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. You know, people just like that. They're just happy all the time. It's just, oh my God, how are you doing? It's just the best day ever. Yeah, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. This had to be Ananias because I don't know about you, but if, if God speaks to me and says, Perry, I'm like, what? <laughs> but Ananias is just, he's just so surrendered. He's walking around his house. It's like, man, it's a good day. Ananias, yes, Lord. He said yes and didn't even know what the Lord was asking. Like for me, I'm, I got to have some details. I got to have some time to think about it. I just, but Ananias is just, I am so, so, I'm so in love with you. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. You got to be real careful with that whatever word. Because watch what happens. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. <laughs> Talk about a street name to get canceled today. Straight Street. <laughs> I'm just reading the Bible, y'all. I'm just reading the Bible. We'll talk about the whole cancel thing next week, all right? Just it's straight street. It's what it is. It's probably called it that way because it was straight. <laughs> Stick to the text, Perry. Stick to the text. Go to straight street. To the house of Judas. Now, obviously, he knew where this was. He knew where Straight Street was. He knew where the house was. Okay, got that. Yeah, go to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Okay, we're going to just just hold on for a second. For a second, second, Lord, I thought you said Saul. Oh, I did. Okay, well, uh, what you want me to do, Lord? I mean, if we got him captured, we can just get rid of him and just say he had an accident right is that what you want to do he is praying to me right now oh he prays he prays men like that pray and he prays to you and you hear you hear people like that it's kind of weird um i have shown him in a vision I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Oh, that's Oh, you show, a man named Ananias. Oh, 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 I'm, my name's Ananias. Is there another one in the mountain? No, it's you. Okay. And you want me to do what? You want me to, you want me to, you want me to touch him? He's a, he, ki- he kills people like me. As far as we knew, he could have even killed some of the people that Ananias Knew some of his friends, some of his family members. You want me to go talk? So, so Ananias does what we do every time God tells us to do something we don't want to do. We show God our butt. Some of us have big butts and some of us have small butts. But all of us, when God speaks to us, we show him our butt. But Lord, don't, don't pretend like you haven't done this. God speaks to us and we're like, yeah, but okay, hold on. Um, I've heard many people talk. I don't know if you, I'm I'm sure you got a lot going on in heaven. You got all the planets, you got those rings around Saturn you got to take care of and all that stuff. And that's wonderful, but I am sure you have, so I just want to fill you in because we got to fill God in sometimes because he don't know what we know. So I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Just in case you hadn't heard, this is not a good guy. He's on the naughty list. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name, which would be me right now talking to you. So he's probably here to arrest me. So I don't think it's a good idea that we hang out because we are not Facebook friends. Okay? And so... The Lord said, go. You know how God, when he speaks, he knows what he's asking us to do. God, like God's never said something. We argue back. He went, that, that is the best thing. Why don't you come up here and rule the universe for a while? You obviously way better at this than me, but we do that, don't we? I didn't say you, we always push back. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and kings, as well as the people of Israel. In other words, Ananias, you're, you're kind of called the Jews. Well, I'm going to call him. I mean, y'all, y'all are different people and, and y'all are, but y'all are going to be on the same mission to reach people for me. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Watch this. So Ananias went, this was huge. Ananias went. Ananias, who was a believer, who was a follower of Jesus, who didn't know what Jesus had done in Saul's life. By the way, you never know what God's doing in somebody else's life. Ananias goes. God brings two people that are completely opposite together. You see this, the unity factor? Two people. He laid his hands on him. See, God told him, don't just go and be near him, but lay your hands on him. I, and I, listen, I know there's some people in this room going, oh, there's a couple of people I'd like to lay my hands on. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about that kind of like I'm talking about this, this was a symbol of unity when you laid your hands on someone. And watch what he called him. Watch this. And said, brother Saul. This is huge. Because he didn't say, you know, like Saul's here and he's got like his like his like his pinky on him. And like, okay, dude. Like, no, he calls him. He accepts him. Fully accepts him by calling. He, listen. We're different. We think different. We're from different places. But you know what? You're my brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Let me ask you a question. Could God have done this without Ananias? Yes or no? Yes, but he chose to use people because God is all about bringing people together because unity matters to Jesus. And so the passage ends by saying afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength and he stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. So when I read over this text, I, I started thinking about unity. And unity not, not just for our church, but for the individuals in our church, for those in the room or watching online. So we're going to use the acrostic unity, U-N-I-T-Y, and I'm going to teach you what unity is and why it matters and, and connected to this text. It's going to be a A lot of fun. Um, I mean, some of you are like, how long is it going to take? About three hours. So you're fine. Here we go. The letter U stands for unwavering focus on Jesus. Unwavering focus on Jesus. Now, everybody in this room, there are no exceptions, has lost your focus at some point in life. Am I right? You just lost focus. And when you lose focus, you do something dumb. We all do something dumb when we lose focus. I think it's funny, all these billboards, you've seen them around town that say don't text and drive? Don't text and drive on a billboard. If you stop and think about it logically, that's stupid to put it on a billboard because when you're texting and driving, you've got your eyes on something that, and you're not looking at what? The road. When you're looking at a billboard, you've got your eyes on something and you're not looking at... The road. Yeah, exactly. So I just, so now somebody in here is probably, you were probably in charge of the billboard campaign. <laughs> that was stupid. All right. I'm not calling you stupid, but that was a stupid. Anyway, I learned though, um, not to text and drive way before texting came along. I, I learned it when I had a Blackberry. Some of y'all don't know what a Blackberry is. Some of y'all had a Blackberry. Some of y'all still have one. You shouldn't sit, don't just don't talk about it. But I was sending an email on my BlackBerry. This was before we texted, and um, and I was driving on my knees because I'm a great knee driver. And some of you, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever done this because you're sitting with your parents. It'd be weird. But I'm driving on my knees, and I'm in a big SUV, and I'm kind of doing this thing. And I know the road. My knees know the road. And, and not making this up, I felt a bump. I was like, huh, never felt that bump before. Followed by several more bumps. And I look out my window, and there's a cow. And I was like, huh, this is different. I'm in the middle of a cow pasture because I've lost my focus for like five seconds. And it was fine. The cow was fine. I was fine. The car was fine. Everything was fine. But all of us know that if we lose our focus, it can can mess us up, which is why that we as followers of Jesus are called to have an unwavering focus on Jesus. Now, here's what's cool. In the text... Did Ananias have an unwavering focus on Jesus? Yes or no. Yes. Did Paul, eventually, have an unwavering focus on Jesus? Yes or no. And they were brought together. Which I' said all that to say this, and this I'm to tell you I'm going to say this several times. You, y'all aren't going to like this, but it'll change your life. Two people who have an unwavering focus on Jesus cannot stay divided. Two people who have an unwavering focus on Jesus cannot stay divided. Now, if one person is not focused on Jesus and one person is, then that's difficult. And and maybe you and the other person are focused on Jesus, but so much damage happened that you can't really have that relationship restored to what it once was. I, I get that. I'm just saying that if two people are focused on Jesus, he is not going to draw us apart. He's going to draw us together. So if you are divided with someone and you can't get together, don't, don't, don't tell me about their relationship with Jesus because you don't know. Ananias had no idea what God was doing in Saul's life. You're responsible to ask the question, am I focused on Jesus? Because if we are, he draws and says, and I wish I could tell y'all, I wish I could tell y'all, man, I got this down, but I don't. There's been so many times I've been mad at somebody and it hadn't been them. It's been because I lacked focus on Jesus, which stands for the next one. The N stands for never forget the way we are identified. Now we, we can tell people are identified. Now, sometimes there are false identifications. Like if you're here today and you're like, you're wearing a Georgia shirt, false identification. I lost a bet. All right. But, but. I've told you about bumper stickers on the back of cars. And here's for those of that forgot my bumper sticker theology, here it is. The more bumper stickers you have, the weirder you are. And that's just truth. And somebody's here, you you got, I got a bunch of bumper stickers on my car. You're weird. All right? You're just weird. I I love you enough to just share that with you. And by the way, you don't even know what they mean. You just stuck them on the back of there. And some of you name your cars, and that's weird. Anyway, so <laughs> never forget the way we identify. Like, for example, you can, like, if somebody is a Trump supporter, you can look at their car and say, hey, there's a Trump supporter. It's obvious that person supports Trump. If somebody is a Biden supporter, you can look and say, hey, there's Biden supporters. Obviously they support Biden. If somebody pulls for Clemson, you can tell there's a Clemson person with a Jeep and somebody should buy Pastor P one of those, but that's a Jeep. And that person is a Clemson supporter. What does that mean? It means they're a Clemson supporter. What does that mean? It means you can park in handicap spots. That's what that means. It's we're all identified by something. Now Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, some of y'all are, we won yesterday, y'all beat the best middle school team I ever seen play in my life. Jesus said, get back with me for a second. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Not, not, not your theology will prove to the world. Not your correct stance on a political issue. Not your wokeness. Well, that's next week. Your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. You love one another. Which brings me to the Oreo. I know you're not supposed to open stuff with your teeth, but I'm 50. <laughs> they all falling out. And I'm going to get new ones anyway. Probably get some grills right up in here. You know what I'm saying? Now I love a, I love a good Oreo. I love Oreos. Now, I know some of y'all, because you can't do something, somebody's like, I'm allergic to Oreos. And one out church, they tried to kill me. They're in packets, okay? <laughs> and if you don't want your Oreos, give them to the person next to you. They will take your Oreos. There's something about an Oreo and milk. And when you dip the Oreo milk, kind of like baptism, immersion, you don't sprinkle the Oreo, you dip it. You, you, you immerse that thing. But I was thinking about I was thinking about Oreo, a little diagram here. You got this side, you got this side, but this holds it together, right? The stuff in the middle, the cream, the filling, whatever. So, So if you got this and you got this, but you don't have this, then these things can't stick together, am I right? Now here's what's interesting about that. And you don't, if you don't, you don't have to take my word for it. You can read this on your own. But in the Bible, there's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're reading through 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts, about we all have a spiritual gift and how we all need to use our gifts in the body of Christ. And and it's, it's a powerful chapter on spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 is all about spiritual gifts. The correct way to use certain spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is that chapter that you've all heard at a wedding. It's the chapter about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It seeks not, I mean, just all this stuff about love. And it hit me the other day. and It was so cool. You can take the most gifted people in the world, but without love, They don't stick together. And if they don't stick together, they don't accomplish the purpose that God put them on the planet before because none of us can accomplish what God has called us to alone. We need each other. So, you take the Oreos with you when you leave. All right. Letter I is intentional about keeping short accounts. This is where it gets tense. Um, about a month ago, I woke up and I had a problem in my ear. I'm 50. Things, I'm, I've been waking up and things just stop working. You know what I'm saying? You go to the bathroom and you pull a hamstring walking across the bathroom. You're just, oh, God! So, so I woke up and... Something was wrong. I couldn't hear. I was, it was like something. And so you know what you do when, if, if, if now if you're honest, some of y'all would not admit to this, but you, if, if you are honest and you wake up and you can't hear, what do you do? You take your finger, you stick it in. Yeah, yeah, you do one of those things right there and you pull it out and see what you got on your finger because you, you always got to look. <laughs> so there was a little buildup on my finger. Shannon's still asleep, so I just kind of wiped it on her. I'm just kidding. I just She's not in this service. Y'all don't tell her I said that, dear God. So, <laughs> so, so I was like, didn't think anything of it. And, but the next day I woke up and it was there. And this has never happened to me. This has never happened to me. So I was like, what is this? Third day I woke up and you know, I did this and it didn't fix the problem. And the next day I woke up again. Eventually, I, like, I couldn't hear. And I would tell Shannon, would, as soon as I was my ear, why don't you go get that scene? No, nah, I'll be fine. I prayed about it. <laughs> it was like your car running out of gas. Dear God, help me. God's like, fill the tank up, you idiot. <laughs> so, so one day I woke up and literally I could not hear out of this ear. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go to the doctor. So I, I called a friend. She's a doctor. And she's like, yeah, come in. And, and she put the little thing in my ear, you know, with the light thing on it where you can look in the ear. And when she did, she went, oh, I don't know, care what kind of doctor you go to. <laughs> oh, it's not what you want to hear, right? I said, oh, what is oh? She said, yeah, you got a, um, you got a lot of stuff in here. I said, well, can we, can we get it out? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they came in, and they put a little cup thing up to my ear, and then they had took what, I, what felt like a fire hose, and they stuck it in my ear and cut it on high. I, thought, I could have swore water was coming out of this side. <laughs> but, but she finished it up, and she's like, would you like to see what came out of your ear? I said, do I? She said, oh, you should take a look. And I looked, and I was like, oh. My ear took a dump because that's what it looked like in the the cup. (laughs) She said, would you like us to take a look at your other ear? I said, is there a two-for-one special? (laughs) Here's what's crazy. There was more in this ear than there was in this ear. Here's what's even crazier. If I had went and dealt with it when I had the problem, The problem wouldn't have been as bad as it was, which is why we come to this point. And this is the point where this is the thing that you're going to wish you could unhear. This is where you don't like the message, even though we've laughed a little bit. Intentional about keeping short accounts. Pastor Pete, can you you define that a little bit more? Sure, I can define it with what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. That means if you're in this room or you're watching online and you have an anger or a bitterness issue, towards someone else then today you should not let the sun go down that means by around 6 or 7 o'clock tonight you should reach out to that person and try to make it right it matters that much well okay Pastor P. How big of a deal is this really? Glad you asked. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And if the devil gets a foothold, he will climb into every area of our lives. And his goal is to steal and kill and destroy. So if you have an anger issue or a bitterness issue toward another person, and you're not going to make it right before the sun goes down you're essentially opening the door and saying come on in devil and have your way nobody wants that oh pastor P, you're asking me to have a difficult conversation nope i'm not i'm just preaching the word like if if somebody's name is popping in your mind here's what's cool that's not me that's the holy spirit speaking to your heart. Now, there's a way to do this. Let's say that you got a problem with somebody, and and I call it the 80-20 rule. 80% of what happened was, was their fault, 20% was your fault. Stop. Because there's somebody in this room going, it was 90-10, I did 10, they did 90. Okay, 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 you are so righteous. But nothing... Nothing is ever 100% somebody's fault. So let's just for argument's sake say that 20% of the problem is your problem, like you caused it, and 80% is their problem. The way you talk to them about it is you apologize for your 20% and you don't mention this at all. You can't say, I'm sorry for my 20, but you're 80 Is the problem, Mr. Point. You own this, and this is between them and Jesus. They might not address this for a week, a month, maybe ever, but the peace that you will receive when you do this is amazing. Which leads to T, thankful for our differences. The reason Jesus wants us to work together is because we need each other. We need one another, like we really do. And what's funny is the person, the people that we need the most are all, most often the people that Jesus, or the, the enemy wants to get us divided against the most. The whole body is necessary. Because, because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says this, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other, not tear each other down, but to help each other. And everybody in this room needs help. For for example, for example, we're a growing church. We're a big church. Let's say you need to talk to someone about it. You need some counseling. I'm not your guy. It's not because I don't love Jesus. It's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't have time. It's because I suck at counseling. You don't want to come to see me because I've got about three phrases that I use. Uh Uh-huh. Mm. And that sucks. That's about all I got. Now there are some people in this church that are equipped to li- they they will listen to you. They will lean in. They've got biblical wisdom. They're amazing. And we all need each other. Like some of you have the gift of hospitality. Like you love having people in your home, and you, 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 you'll cook dinners and you'll put out stuff and you'll decorate, and it's great, like you love hospitality. Not me. You can ask anybody that's ever came to my house, if I invite you over, I tell you what time to get there, and I tell you what time it's over. Hey, we're going to meet and we're going we're gonna to have this thing in my house. It's going to start at six. It's going to end at eight. Everybody understand it ends at eight. What happens if they don't leave at eight? I turn out all the lights and take off my clothes. It'll clear house out every time. See y'all tomorrow, like that, It it just works. Some of you are like, I need to try that. Yeah, just don't put it on the gram, all right? All I'm saying is we need each other. So the enemy, if he can get us divided against each other, like if he can get us divided against each other and we lose sight of the fact that without love, we're all alone, what happens to a sheep? That is all alone in the wilderness. It's picked off by the wolves so easily. I don't need anybody. I can make it on my own. Said the person that got slammed by Satan over and over and over again. We need each other. That's why you got, listen, before the sun goes down to make that relationship right. Which leads to the last point in the whole unity across that yield right now so we can move forward. So we as a church and so we as individuals can move forward. Do you realize that if you will get past this issue that you have with this other person that you will move forward in your walk with Christ? Now this is important because when I was a kid and if, if you have any sort of church background, you like me, when you went to bed at night, we all pretty much learned the same prayer. In fact, we could all say it together. Now i lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my keep and if I, before I wa-, which by the way, that's why your children have nightmares. <laughs> that is the creepiest, pray this with If I die before I wake, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then run in there. Our... So we all, but we all learned that prayer. We said that prayer It's it great whatever. And then we learned, we learned the blessing. We said, we said the blessing over the food. And it was real cute because you were five and they called on you to say the blessing. And everybody bowed their head and closed their eyes. And we all said, God is great. God is let us thank him for by his hands. We shall be. You give us the Lord daily. Amen. was it. But the, the part that, that has never left me about that blessing is that God is great. God is good. God, God is great. And God, if God was great, but he wasn't good, we should fear for our lives. And if God was good, but he wasn't great, then he's not worthy of worship. But God is great. Like he, he really does reign in this world. Even though the world seems to be out of control, I say, Pastor P, how can you say that God's in control when I watch the news? Well, it's because I've seen the empty tomb. And if he can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, his greatness goes far beyond our circumstances. And at the end of the day, God is good. God's been better to me than I deserve. And I know there's some people here today, you're maybe going through some sucky circumstances right now and and you would push back and go, "I just, I don't know about the whole goodness of God." Well, I would—I'm not trying to be mean, but just get on a plane and fly to Afghanistan and tell the people there about how good God has not been to you, and see if they understand. I mean, God, at the end of the day, we might not have gotten everything we asked for, but if you're sitting in this room, God's been good to you. God is great, and God is good. Can we agree? If God is great, and God has been good to us, even though none of us deserved it, then shouldn't we offer that same goodness to other people, even if they don't deserve it? God is great. And so, there's an old hymn called How Great Thou Art that just reminds me that all of us have this relationship with God that is vertical. But we also have a relationship with God that's horizontal and it impacts the way we love each other. So if we're going to sing how great thou art, not only do we need to sing that, but we need to show that by following up on those hard conversations he's calling us to have. Because at the end of the day, we've been recipients of his grace. We need to be people that extend his grace as well. Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the reminder in your word, God, that relationships with other people really do matter. Father, I want to thank you that every single person in this room matters. And Jesus, I just want to thank you for your greatness. God, I want to thank you that you are greater than anything that we're going through. I want to thank you that your goodness covers every area of our lives. Jesus, I want to ask you over these next few moments as we just reflect on how great you are, God, that we would understand that your greatness and your goodness is not just for us but should flow through us to other people and may we be willing to extend the same grace to others that you've shown to us in jesus name i pray amen jesus we thank you for your greatness god we are so thankful for your amazing grace Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, in this message, if God laid someone on your heart that you need to have a conversation with before the sun goes down, then right where you stand, make that your personal altar and just say, yes, Lord, yeah, I'll, I'll make a call, I'll send a text, I'll, I'll reach out. I'm, because at the end of the day it's about you getting closer to Jesus about you and your walk with Christ as that happens our church will continue to get better but but I want you to experience the freedom of not living with anger and bitterness and, and hurt maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ and this all is kind of brand new to you that whole amazing grace thing and all getting changed you're like I want some of that I want, I want what he had if that's you and you want you know to that today you need to accept Jesus into your life, then right where you stand, I want you to just pray this in your heart. Just ask Jesus to come into your life and save you, and he will. Just say in your heart, just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave, to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I want to ask you into my life Be my Savior savior. and my Lord, lead me in Jesus' name. name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just asked Jesus in your heart, would you you do me a favor and just shoot your hand straight up in the air because I want to see it. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate with you if you're online. You put a hand in the air. Father, I want to thank you so much, Jesus, that you saved people today, that you have changed lives today that you have spoken to people today. God, I want to thank you so much that your word is living and active. Father, I want to thank you today that you stirred so many of us. I want to thank you for the conversations that are going to be had. I want to thank you for the healing that's going to take place. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you are intentionally drawing us closer to you and closer to one another. I want to thank you, God, for your forgiveness. I want to pray that we would be forgiving people, loving people. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for loving us to share your amazing grace with us. Everybody that agree with this prayer said amen and amen. Thank you for coming today. Hope you have a phenomenal week, and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.